It is Locked On Jazz for the 7th of September. The Big T, Thurl Bailey, the best there is, joins us for the summer interview series. First, we'll dig into two new members of the Jazz coaching staff and what that means. My obsession with the Lakers, and if they're any good, continues, plus some other news and notes around the NBA. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. We're inching closer and closer and closer, traditionally, Post-Labor Day, a bunch of players come into town and the OTA workouts start. They don't have any other place to work out. So we may be heading a little closer to the guys getting in town in all of that. It is Locked on Jazz. It is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked on Jazz. Please subscribe. Also listen on whatever podcast platform you prefer by following Locked on Jazz. All right, uh, let's get into a bunch of stuff. As I mentioned, we're getting close. Um Usually what happens with NBA players is they're playing out these groups. You've kind of seen them on Instagram. They usually involve college players to get enough players in their games. And then when the college players go back to college, they don't have any place for games anymore. So then they head to their NBA town. And so usually post-Labor Day. Now this year with Olympics back as far as it is with some of the other stuff, we might see it differently. Mike Conley seems to via Instagram be in town a little bit recently. So maybe he's back, but I think Rudy is still in France. He was honored the other day. Joe is probably still taking, uh, he just took a good beach vacation. Instagram tells us so many things about our guys. Um, Donovan and Royce and those guys have all been working out in New York quite heavily. Um, so we'll see them uh, coming around. So the Jazz have made, uh, they've done a few things. The VR experience thing is really cool. Uh, if you've not checked it out, um, the Jazz did a new virtual reality in the locker rooms NFT program kind of just on the cutting edge, certainly the beginning of, you know, the impact of the new ownership uh, being more mo- being modern and into these things. Uh, this is kind of groundbreaking in the NBA. So really cool. Check it out at utahjazz.com. Uh, the other one is they, they added uh, Erden uh, Crone from the coaching staff from Fenebacha, and then they added Irv Roland um, uh, to the coaching staff as well. So, let me start with Irv Roland, who is kind of known around the NBA, really most recently known around the NBA as the uh, as James Harden's guy. So one of the things that was unique to Harden is that Harden didn't, uh, excuse me, that Mike D'Antoni didn't like to do shoot around, and Harden did. So one thing you saw, uh, Harden would always show up and always be there four workouts before every game and Irv Roland was like his workout guy um top to bottom you know throughout the time he he's he's been some other places as well he's worked with Durant he's kind of just known literally as kind of the star workout guy in the NBA that's kind of what he's gotten his name for he's more than that he's a, he's a he's a good coach and and well and I think that's probably pigeonholing him um a little bit in an unfair manner he, he's been in the league for a long long time he started in 2005 in the video department and worked himself way up like everyone else. So I, I sometimes feel like that might um, minimize him a little bit. He actually might have started even before that. 
with the Celtics now that I think about it. Um, but I, he's, I mean, 2004 or five is where he starts his career. He's just been around for a long time. He's kind of, and definitely like known around the NBA. And again, his most recent work was with the Rockets and Mike D'Antoni. So, you know, in a lot of ways, I would assume that he's going to be working with Donovan as well as other guys, but it's another voice in the room, another brain in the building, um, and a guy that's been around some of the best players in the game uh, and spent an immense amount of time uh, with them, which is, you know, which is a cool addition to the staff and gives the Jazz just another uh, little element to it and gives Donovan probably some of the important kind of, um, you know, one-on-one work that he needs to have and and get done. Uh, Erdem Khan has been with the Jazz for a bunch of summer leagues and things like that. He's a European coach. Quinn's always been very good at this. It started with Igor. Um, here's, you know, another guy who's been kind of in and around all aspects of basketball since I think uh, when I read his bio, 93, he's been with the Jazz for summer league. And he's so he's got a familiarity. Um, he's been involved with, you know, I think four or five EuroLeague Final Fours, three EuroLeague Finals, one EuroLeague Championship. So you've got a guy who's got just great experience. So the Jazz have brought in, you know, the, the staff is big um, and they continue to big in. And we kind of just keep turning over to get new ideas and new names. Um, I think Zach Guthrie is now in Washington after being in Dallas last year. So some of these other names that might've been familiar to you have kind of moved on to their, their next Johnny Bryant's obviously in New York. And you still have, you know, Alex Jensen, Vince LaGarza, Lamar Skeeter, Jeff Watkinson, Mike Wells, a lot of names have been with Quinn um, the entire time. So um, interesting, just kind of pieces of the puzzle that the jazz are putting together last year. They did this and it kind of, they added this guy, Serge Olivier, who just, you know, kind of snuck through his huge analytics guy, I think had a massive impact on what the Jazz did last year um, in the way they played. They did some groundbreaking things last year offensively. And I so these these moves, they, they're subtle and no one picks up on them. They don't seem like a big deal, but they, they have an impact. It's all part of the, the puzzle that puts it all um, together. Uh, before we get to Thurl Bailey, we'll talk about Rudy in the offseason uh, and the loss of the Clippers. Uh, the interview with Thurl this week is a little bit more kind of big picture conversations. I just adore Thurl. And we just kind of rolled and, and ramped through conversations and how the players are going to fit a little bit more than kind of the way I did with um, uh, Tony Jones and, or excuse me, Andy Larson and Ron Boone was more of like a structure, this, this, and this. This is more kind of a rolling NBA conversation. So I want to have it. I am obsessed with the Lakers. Um, I just ran the numbers. They don't, you know, ninth best offensive team in the Western Conference. If you didn't hear the show previously, we looked at points gained, which is our offensive metric about how we evaluate offenses. They came out as the ninth best offense. Even if Anthony Davis has a good year, they look at, and I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Like, what am I missing? I know the names are big and grandiose. But I, And so, like, one of the theories someone said was, well, you're giving Westbrook all the non-LeBron AD minutes and they'll carry them through. Well, you go look at Washington last year, and on one level it's easy to say, well, Washington, the players around Washington aren't as good as the players around the Lakers. Well, I, I don't know if I even agree with that. Like, if you take AD and LeBron off, and your whole premise here is that in the minutes in which – Westbrook's on the floor. He's playing with Wayne Ellington and Carmelo Anthony and Kent Bazemore and Kalen Horton Tucker and Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn. Then I don't I don't know that it is that different than Russell Westbrook playing with Davis Bertans and Robin Lopez and Denny Advada and Howell Neto. I mean, maybe it's a little, but not. So it's worth noting that last year when Westbrook was on the floor without Bradley Beal, the Washington Wizards were minus. 
minus 4.8. Their defense was in the 77th percentile, and their offense, when Westbrook was the primary scorer on the floor, was in the 12th percentile. 12th percentile. Not good. They were minus 4.8. All right, so then the concept as well, AD, then we get into AD without LeBron. So last year, Frank Vogel almost did that none. Like this is, I, I think this is really interesting. So first thing is AD did not have a good year last year. So that's like, just not been talked about. But, but last year, LeBron and AD were on the floor together for 1,200 possessions and they were, and the Lakers were great. They were plus 14.2. They're great. And so Frank Vogel did not play AD by himself very often. In fact, he played the two of them together. Uh, AD, AD played without LeBron for about 1,100 possessions, I think most of which happened after LeBron got hurt. So they play, he played about 50-50 with and without LeBron. When LeBron was on the off the floor and AD was on the floor, the Lakers were minus 2.8. In the 47th percentile offensively. Now, usually he was on the floor with, a lot of it was Andre Drummond because it was late in the season without LeBron. Dennis Schroeder was on for a good deal of it. And so, you know, if you add Dennis Schroeder to the lineups with AD, they went to minus seven. So when Schroeder and AD were on without LeBron, they went to minus seven. Now, maybe Westbrook will help that group and you're going to play the two of them together. I just think it comes down to this team's just going to have to run like at an alarmingly high rate, which gets so interesting to me because they're all 34 years old and the way you run is off defense. And I'm not sure I know which one of these guys are defending. The other one that's just interesting is the amount of turnover. So if you look at the lineups that Anthony Davis played with the most without LeBron James, Dennis Schroeder, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Andre Drummond, none of them are back. That lineup was actually plus eight. Alex Crusoe, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Andre Drummond, none of them are back. Dennis Schroeder, Wesley Matthews, Kyle Kuzma, Anthony Davis, Montrez Harrell. None of them are back. Like, they've completely rebuilt this roster, which might be good, might be addressing the problem. And none of these, these lineups have been used together, and... We'll see. Now, there's an interesting little note about Rondo passing to Anthony Davis much more than Dennis Schroeder did. But the other note is that, that two years ago when Rondo, LeBron, and Anthony Davis were on the floor together, the offensive rating was a 92.6 in the regular season, which is terrible. This is not new, by the way. When Anthony Davis was on the floor without LeBron in the 1920 season, they were even or negative. When Dennis Schroeder last year was on the floor with all three of them, they were great because they're great when Anthony Davis and LeBron are on the floor together. It doesn't seem, you know, those are two of the top 10 players in the NBA. When they're on the floor together, they're great. They were plus eight in 1920. And in, in 2021, they, as we said, they were an, an incredible plus 14. They're great. But the other minutes are going to be interesting. And then that questions to me of whether you know, how much they have to rest. I, I'm mesmerized by the Lakers. I'm obsessed with it. I'm continuing to look at it. I just, I, everything tells me they're going to have to play hard for much of the season to avoid the playing game, which is like not really what they want to do. 
It's interesting. We'll keep an eye on it. All right. Thurl Bailey joins us. We'll talk about the end of last year. Uh, Rudy, next steps. Over the week, we'll talk about Donovan. Can he be Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard? We'll talk about uh, Rudy Gay and how you evolve into a bench player. It's great. Super fun. All week long with Big T, Thurl Bailey. So make sure you join us throughout the week. I'm going to get at least three episodes out for this truncated week. I might try to get a fourth out where we do a live show uh, before the week is over. So uh, have that all coming up for you. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street. Also located in Logan and in Linden. Such good people, the Murdochs. They've been in Utah for over 80 years selling cars and keeping their family brand at the most importance. And Hyundai such an amazing setup of cars. Uh, the Sonata and the Elantra are the two sedans. I've been driving both of those recently and am blown away by what you get with it. We already own two Santa Fe's, so you know I'm in on that. And the Palisade, every time I see it, I am jealous and want a little bit of uh, wish I had one. The electric cars are out. The Kona Electric is there. Uh, there's a new one coming out next year that's just amazing, by the way. Uh, so I'll check it out. 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. If you're going to stop by and visit Hyundai, email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. We'll set you up with a VIP meeting at whichever location. Do let me know uh, which location. That helps me out a ton to be able to tell you uh, where to go. That's located at 4646 South State Street in Murray or in Logan or in Linden. So email me, let me know. We'll set you up with a VIP uh, treatment. If you're looking for a car right now, put Murdoch and the Hyundais on the list. You don't have, you don't have to buy, just take it, at least look at them and see what you can get for the dollar. Today's show is also brought to you by Stat Hero. This is really cool. Do you know that 85% of the people who play daily fantasy lose? Not that surprising. Games rigged against you. They're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts. So Stat Hero is the first ever daily fantasy that allows you to put the players in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house. It's head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all, and you have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you the lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. So you're in total control. Stat Hero Daily Fantasy Sports is the way it's meant to be one-on-one. So go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free right now. You can get three times back on your first play. That's a 300% match. That's unheard of. So go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Big T coming up. Oh, these are the things that make me smile in life. Thurl Bailey hanging out with us. Big T is on Locked On Jazz. I miss you. How are you? I miss you too, man. I'm doing good. I'm getting getting antsy. Really are antsy. You, it's funny. I it all I'm wondering so much about the players in this regard. Cause I would say, like, I'm in my what 13th year or 12th year. I don't actually know. Something like that. There there like used to be a biorhythm to like how we did this, right? Like you finished the season, you did your summer, yeah. the kids went back to school. I started prepping. Like you there was kind of a pattern to it all. That pattern's been blown up since March 12th of 2000 so much so that I'm actually finding myself having a hard time like, like you know, usually by this time I probably started all my prep and it does feel like the season kind of just ended, but it's about to start. I I, I'm, I'm really curious on how this is going to impact the players because there's just no regular pattern on what are generally in this league a bunch of creatures of habit. Yeah, it's like your biological basketball clock is off, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's just been weird. Um, 
But I think on the other hand, D, it's just been nice that there has been a lot of off time. And maybe the players aren't happy about that. But um, we've got basketball in our blood, not broadcasting blood. So I think that it's good in that sense. I mean, we had the, the, the Olympics, right? So we kind of segued right into that. And now we're, we're about ready to start the season up again. And it's, uh, I think it's awesome, for us at least. Can you dig in from a player standpoint of like what an off-season pattern is like? Because I remember, what was it, about three years ago, we pushed the start of the season up to like October 15th, right? Instead of October 30th. If you remember that year, almost all of the veterans were really awful for about a month. Like some of the best players in the league. And it was clear that like their system was off. And I, I remember looking at during summer league, I was looking at the television and Mike Conley was there. And they had a picture of Mike, and in my head went, oh, Mike stopped by Vegas to kind of start getting ready for the season. This was like, that used to be the sign for all the players. They'd go to Vegas, they'd get a little run with the summer league guys, and it was like, all right, let's get going. But all of a sudden, instead of being like two and a half months away from the season, it's actually like, was like six weeks. So what is this going to do to guys, or is it actually am I making something out of nothing? Well, it's changed quite a bit since I played. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the game has evolved. Um, there's more people involved in your preparation now as a player. Um, you know, where you have uh, you're relied on uh, coaches that you go to in the off season. Uh, you've got your um, your dietitians, right? You've got so many people kind of involved in that success with your weight training. And um, I think the thing that maybe hasn't changed uh, I don't know if the length of it has, but right after the, whether you were in the playoffs or the regular season, you just tried to forget about basketball for at least a month. I know I did. Um, and just, and, and I don't mean totally, I mean, wherever I went with my family, I tried to get some workouts in and just try to keep my physical shape up. But mentally, especially when I was with the Timberwolves and we weren't winning any games, mentally, you just wanted to just, <laughs> just to not have to think about it. Um, but it's changed now. I, I think it's, it's, uh, especially for your older players and we'll see what kind of effect that will have on teams like the Lakers, uh, and some of the older teams in the league. But, um, you know, you, you look on social media and you see guys in the gym and some private, you know, scrimmage or some private workout that they have with, with, uh, with either some teammates or other guys. So, you know, I think it's up to the individual, but I think generally, um, most of the young guys are just nonstop, right? They're, they're anxious to get going. And, and so we'll see what kind of effect that will have on uh, each team and, and each individual players because some of that is going to be pacing by a lot of teams. You know, do you play on back-to-backs? Do you do this? Or how much do you put into the regular season and wait for the playoffs? It's interesting. I said to you when we started this, like, I don't know where we're going today. We're just going to kind of, I love just talking. just going to riff. So you bring up something interesting about all these workouts we see on Instagram. They're all with their own personal trainers. They all have their own like physical, like nutritionists. They all have their own chefs. They all have their own, rightfully so. They're making $30 million a year. It's a simple ROI. If I was making $30 million a year, I would have a nutritionist. I would have a chef. I would have probably my own trainer. Like, of course, because I'm on scale to make $300 million in my career. So that if I spend a little, what it changes the makeup of teams though, right? Like it changes how this works in the sense that, you know, maybe, you know, 
agencies are more important than ever before. If you're CAA or, or rock sports or something else, you're working out with those guys. If you're, your trainers coming maybe from those guys, like how do you think this changes the makeup or do you think these players just are so used to it? This is modern NBA and they're all good with it. I think it's, it's the latter. I think it's, it's, this is the modern NBA and they're all used to that cycle, that flow. The young players are getting into it as well because they want to be the ones who are making that kind of money. And they know that that's the kind of preparation they're going to have to put into it to do it. Uh, even though they may not be able to afford, you know, all the things and all the people around them, they're still going to dedicate themselves to people that believe in them at, at that moment. They want to take that ride with them. Right. And so, um, yeah, I just think this is kind of the new pattern. I think it's the new way that that these athletes, and not just in NBA basketball, but in, in other sports as well, is that their their sole focus during the summer is just about they're the asset, right? If you're the asset, man, you're gonna try to to do all you can um, within your uh, within I guess within what you can afford. Um, to be able to be, I mean, look at look what LeBron's doing and how he's extended his career. I think players are watching that and saying, man, I, LeBron can still do it at that age. What's he doing? Uh, I'm going to see if I can, I can replicate that. Well, uh, when I said, you know, I'll make 300 million, you chuckled. Was that just because you were like having that moment <laughs> of like, wish I was born 20 years later? Or was... David, David, I was the seventh pick in the draft. I was the seventh pick in the draft and I signed up. My first contract, a four-year deal worth a million. You know, that doesn't suck. It just... No, it didn't. You know, no, I'm not complaining. It just pales in comparison. <laughs> I'm not complaining. What's the seventh pick in the draft probably going to make? You right. know, what they say you, you gotta like you, like compare. What is that like? You know, comparison is like the death of all enjoyment, right? Like, like you know, but. I'm with you 100. Like, percent All right. Um, all right. Let's talk jazz a little bit here. Um, okay. What was your what is your kind of feeling on the way that ended? Like we'd had such a blissful season. I think we all kind of knew there was a chance there were some matchups that were a problem. And then, golly, I don't think any of us expected that ending. How did that? What what taste has that left for you? Kind of moving forward for this team. Well. I, first of all, I was really, really proud, as I know you were, of how the Jazz did in the regular season. I mean, I, I think uh, I, I, my expectations was that they were going to do well, but I think they exceeded what I thought they were going to do. Um, <clears throat> I think what the playoffs taught me was that health is paramount, right? That's paramount. That's priority. That's, you know, you want your guys to be healthy. And I thought the Jazz um, were very fortunate throughout the regular season with that. And it was just um, very heartbreaking to see that Donovan wasn't totally healthy. Mike Conley, obviously. Um, but the other thing that I, I think I, I really learned was that this league, man, these coaches, right, they're, they're figuring things out. They're like they're they're taking some risks. They're trying new things. They're they're really um, you know diving into how they can find the other team's weak point, weak spot, 
and that they don't have much time to do that. They have to kind of gamble sometimes. But I, I thought that um, I thought the Clippers did a good job of that. I really thought they they figured out a way to do it. I mean, even without their their star player, and so. Um, besides the players, it just becomes this battle between coaching staffs, right? And what do we need to do? What do we need to tweak? Do we play small ball, right? How do we put Rudy in the position where he's most effective? And so that was intriguing to me how um, that matchup just kind of turned on a dime, right? And, and besides the health thing, because both teams were dealing with it, um, it was it, it, strategically. I just thought it was a very interesting thing, and and it was tough to see the Jazz, you know, get up early in the game and then kind of squander that, and and see the Clippers just come back and and finish the job. It hurt. It hurt me. Yeah. No, I think it hurt all of us. Right. <laughs> and and I, I give the we'll get into. It. I give the front office some credit. I think they got over hurt and like, you know, you they can did. make a lot of mistakes Absolutely. hurt. And I thought they did a good job with that. We'll, we'll dig into that. Thurl Bailey's with us. It's Locked on Jazz Summer Interview Series. Ron Boone's already been done in the Summer Interview Series. Andy Larson in the Summer Interview Series. You can go back and grab those on past editions of Locked on Jazz. Thurl Bailey will dig into the the that coaching aspect of things. I want to talk about Rudy, his, his guy, Rudy. Uh, he was the first to ever tell us that Rudy's great. Where does Rudy stand now? What has to happen with him? We'll talk about that and continue with more with Thurl Bailey in the summer interview series continuing on Locked on Jazz. Big T is truly the best. Just makes you smile. Today's show is brought to you by Sweatblock. This is a great product, Utah-based company uh, that does incredible work. The dry shirt guarantee is what we're all talking about. We're talking about not pitting out. We're talking about not embarrassingly walking around like this because you got to keep your armpits down. We're talking about those awful meetings or those big pressure situations where you pit out and your shirt's ruined. We talk about excessive sweating and those people that unfortunately have to deal with that. Well, sweat block is your answer to that. You can wear what you want with a little secret confidence. It's the secret weapon in the bag. And that bag is the toiletries bag. So sweat block is available at sweatblock.com for 20% off with the promo code locked on. It's been on Amazon actually for past 10 years has 13,000 reviews. If you want to check it out, it was featured on the Rachel Ray show. It is, you take a shower at night, you're all cleaned up, you put it on, and then you wake up, get ready the next day, and you're taken care of. It's also the sweat block antiperspirant wipes are available for you if for that moment in time uh, that you need it, know it's coming up. It's stronger, more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply use it the night before, and the next morning, you're all set. It's guaranteed. So no picking your shirt anymore based on which one will hide the sweat better because sweat block is doing it for you. Go to sweatblock.com, promo code locked on to get 20% off. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friends at rockauto.com. Rock Auto, bringing you the best pricing out there for do-it-yourselfers or professionals all the same. Save time and money at the easy-to-navigate old-school rockauto.com. There is no reason to spend 30 50 or even 100% more on parts at a chain store or a car dealership. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need from brake pads, tail lamps, even to new carpet and windshield wipers for that matter. It's rockauto.com, family-owned for the last 20 years, 
bringing do-it-yourselfers and professionals the same prices. Go to rockauto.com, write Locked On on the How'd You Hear About Us section. That's Locked On on the How'd You Hear About Us section and receive amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Continuing with the good man, Thurl Bailey. I saw you in the Basketball Hall of Fame, by the way. I was there. They had some NC State stuff. I saw you in there by Springfield. There you were in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I was there too. There was a picture of Lauren Jackson and Sue Bird from their championship, and I was in the background doing an interview. Does that count? It's not. It counts. You're, you're there. You, you can tell your family, take your whole family there and say, I'm here. What? Look, look at this. Right. But you were there because you did some. I was on the court too, um, just in the really far background. All right. Okay. Anyway. Now I'm gonna go look when I go when I go visit again. Oh, I have pictures. I can just show it to you. You don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you talked about the coaching. What I thought was interesting. So there's two questions that kind of out to me about that kind of the way the series ended. One is is the coaching is one thing, but do you have to have a roster that allows you to coach? In other words. What was unique to the Clippers in my book was the versatility that that roster allowed, right? That they they had four guys that were 6'8", 220. So they went small. Like, they went small at one position. They went small at center. They didn't go small at any other position on the floor. Terrence Mann was, or Reggie Jackson were their smallest guys. They're like 6'4", 200 at point guard. That's big. They were big at every other position but center. So to me, there's some level of like, and then they had the ability with Zubak to play big, with Marcus Morris to play to play small, with Nicholas Batum to play anything because he's incredible. Like to me, that's what jumped out was it's not, it's, it's the roster versatility and the ability to play in multiple ways. And I actually think that's the change the front office tried to make this offseason for the Jazz is to give them some more roster flexibility than they actually have ever had before. Well, I think my sort of definition of small ball against the Jazz means when Rudy's on the court, right? I mean, that he's the denominator. I mean, he's the factor um, going smaller just because of not just his size, but his his ability to use what he has defensively on teams. And so, uh, but you're right. I mean, those six, eight guys are are – they're not small, but um, when you're playing against the Jazz and you, you've got a, the best defender in the world out there, um, you know, Zubak probably isn't the answer. It's it's a guy who's going to try to draw Rudy outside or it's going to be someone athletic uh, when a guard drives to the paint uh, for the mid-range game and Rudy has to help who's going to cover him on the lob. I mean, those kind of things that, uh, you know, sometimes are gamble, right? They don't always work. Uh, so that's what that coaching is, right? You've got to take some risks. You've got to, you, it, it doesn't necessarily work every single time against every team, single team, but now you're dealing with a team that you're playing over and over and over and over again. And you're going back and you're watching the, the films and saying, well, where, where are they hurting us? Um, you know, where can we hurt them? What can we make this big guy do to put the Jazz in the situation that that uh, that's going to be good for us? So 
you know, it was, uh, you know, as a, as a fan of basketball, as a fan of coaching, you know, the, that chess match is just so intriguing when you understand basketball itself and what the coaches are trying to do um, when they, you know, when, when they make changes and the other team has to react to them and, and you see who's going to win that battle. But um, it's going to be even more intriguing, I think, this year with those new additions for the Jazz and how they react to certain teams. Do they pull Rudy at certain times? Does he not get as much of that that time on the court um, if other teams are going to play that that small ball? So here's what it comes down to. Rudy's so great that if you're the opponent, you have to take him out of the game. Like, So we're the best pick-and-roll team in the league because Rudy sets the picks and he's unstoppable. And we're the best defensive team in the league against the pick-and-roll because Rudy's unstoppable. So the only thing – that what the Clippers were able to do is eliminate – where we were great. We, they, they switched everything defensively. So we couldn't run pick and roll. And then they spread the floor five wide and just drove and had Rudy caught guarding the corner. And they drove from the opposite side. And then you're stuck. Rudy can't guard all five guys. I mean, to some levels, like I know Rudy's been greatly criticized to this. Oh, he's played off the floor again in the playoffs. It's actually garbage. The fact is he's so great and so dominant that the only thing you can do to him is eliminate him from the game, or you can't play against him. He's too good in both those manners. So now what is this is whatever people are going to try. Maybe not in the regular season, but we're going to see it again in the postseason at some point in time. Is there an answer here? Like what are the moves or the levers that the Jazz can pull to either offensively get Rudy's vertical spacing to have an impact or two to have his massive size and length and defensive prowess have an impact, or are they on Rudy in some way that Rudy has to do something to do it? So what? How do how do we move past this? Well, I, I think as much as we're talking about Rudy, the most important thing are the other guys around him, right? I mean, Rudy is, um, you know, he demands, especially on the defensive end, that there's focus all the way around. And I, we've seen it a lot of times when Rudy gets frustrated. A lot of times it's because of the other guys that, that rely on him so much on the defensive end. Um, you, we always talk about help the helper. We always talk about um, if Rudy comes out, somebody has to be back there. And I'm not sure that that continuity has, has, has been that consistent um, now, I, the Jazz are a great defensive team, but I think when you talk about when it really counts and really matters, um, they've got to be better. And you can't discount the other team's defense, right? Because you look at where our points are coming from, and you look at when they go and they double team a Donovan Mitchell, right? And, and they break up that offense. So now he can't, he doesn't have the ball with that. 11, 10, 9, 8, 7 seconds on the clock, and somebody else has to take on that responsibility and things are broken up. So I, I think it's as much as we, we talk about how good Rudy is and he is and he will be better, um, the, the guys who surround him have to be better as well uh, on ball, right, before it gets to that point. Um, and also uh, the offense has to be better and just can't rely on one guy when the clock's running down or just the pick and roll. And I think some of the additions for the Jazz will, will help that. 
I was laughing when I was listening to some commentators talk about, oh, I don't know if Rudy Gay can defend in Utah. or I was like, oh, my gosh, there's no easier place in the world to defend. You have two jobs. Drive the ball handler to Rudy and don't let him take a three. And if you're on the wings, hug the shooter. Like, that's all we ask you to do defensively. That's obviously what got exposed is that when suddenly everybody had to individually guard their yard, they, they didn't do it well in the playoffs. But schematically, it's the easiest team in the league to defend, to play for it defensively. It is. It is. It's hard work to do it. But when you look at it in its simplicity, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, it, it, when you've got a guy like Rudy who's on the court, um, your job, I think, if you're not Rudy, is, is I wouldn't say easy, but it's clear, right? You said it. You crowd a guy on the three-point line. You don't you don't let him shoot a three. You drive him towards the paint. And if that guy's a pretty decent mid-ranger, which is becoming a lot more popular now, um, somebody has to go get him, right? You can't let Chris Paul just keep getting in there and, and taking that same old shot and knocking it down and not having an answer for it. So uh, if he comes, then somebody else has to be there to to, to cover a guy like Rudy. Let's zero in on Rudy for a second. You were kind of the first to talk about how great he was. This is, I've always, you know, he's going to be special. It's going to be special. Used to say in my ear. <laughs> you remember that. Podcast. Um, <clears throat> he's gotten better every year. How does he get better this year? I think it's really on the offense. I think he's, he's, he's based, he's obviously committed to the defensive end. Um, I saw him in the Olympics offensively do some things that, he may not really be comfortable doing in the Jazz's system where it doesn't allow him to be able to do that. Um, I see all this. That's a lot of hook shots, bro. You know, that's a lot of just rising up over people and just flipping that wrist um, because I studied how Kareem did it. You know, I studied what the almost unstoppable shot is and and now it's there's so much focus you know the hook shot's not sexy anymore right there's some some guys who do it a rolling hook maybe a jump hook here and there but i think if rudy could develop some sense of i've got this guy on me i don't care what size he is um if i just roll across the lane and i find a way to finesse this hook up comfortably um, that's just going to add so much to his arsenal because regardless of where he is, if he blasts in the paint, he can just turn and shoot down on the on the hoop. I think the other part is, and we we saw, I, I see him do it a lot in warm-ups, um, and maybe he's just not comfortable with it, but whether it's a push shot for him or a nice little jumper right there at five feet, five to, to eight feet, um, just finding a way to get that touch. I think, I think, he can do it. Uh, I've seen him attempt it and 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 work on it actually in, in warmups and in practice. Um, but other than that, physically, you know, I just think he runs well for his size. Um, he rebounds well. He's he, he just he's his basketball IQ. I think is for a big guy because you don't hear this about big guys a lot, do you? I mean, it's like people think that big guys aren't as smart. Um, it's 
it's that IQ of knowing. I, I think he's done a great job at staying in the game, by the way, because that, that's a huge factor is be on the floor. Uh, only a few times this year did he get in, in foul trouble, but teams are challenging him more. And so that, that puts him in, in a position to, to live another day and let that one go sometimes. So um, I, I think offensively, if, if he's working on those things, if I think some, some of those things he has in him, it's just a matter of being able, one, to use them and be comfortable with them during the season. Some great points there uh, on the various aspects. The basketball IQ is probably the thing we talk about the least with him, and it's so good because he the multiple act. I talk about the multiple actions all the time, but you can't do the multiple actions unless you know what's coming beforehand. We'll, t- we'll build on this. Thur will be back with us tomorrow. We'll, we'll build on this. We'll talk about Donovan's next steps. We've got the moves, the addition of Rudy Gay and that veteran presence. A lot of things to talk about throughout the week with Thurl Bailey. Day one in the books with Big T. Thanks very much for him taking the time. We'll come back with more Locked on Jazz for you with Thurl Bailey throughout the week on the Summer Interview Series continues here on Locked on Jazz by the Locked on Podcast Network.